Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to the return of the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens, and with me is the ghost of Colin Smith. You, you, the ghost of past Colin Smith. <laughs> I am the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. <laughs> I can't I can't get the there's he has like another you know when he does from the future. Yeah. He is there's from like an the echo. Future. I can't I can't I can't make it. If you were a real voice actor you could. <clears throat> That's true. Colin, we where, where where have we been for uh, a week? I don't so? know. I've just been uh you know I I said to my dad yesterday uh I never real really envisioned being the person who is like responding to work emails at like 8 p.m. But <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not the life you wanted to live. It not, not necessarily. We'll see. But, uh, you know, I've been busy. I'm surviving. Well, last week was kind of fortuitous. <laughs> I mean, you had some stuff going on and I got so sick. Yeah. I was, down for two days miss work i don't ever miss work i hate missing work i actually did some work from home but i i was not doing well it just hit me all of a sudden like a ton of bricks out of nowhere i was pooping puking pissing blood it was it was a mess um at the same time all all, just or all orifices leaking blood every orifice was leaking something hemorrhaging yeah all at once just everything coming out at once um, it was no, it was not a pleasant. Um, and luckily for us, there wasn't any, any big releases or anything that we were too excited to see. What I, are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, what movie? Clint did I, Eastwood made his triumphant directorial return. Well, I will say this: innovating filmmaking forever. Yes, I, I did see this. I did see that movie. I was going to give a media hot take on that movie, <laughs> but it's just so bad. I'm not. It's not worth even breathing. Um, m- mentioning the words as I breathe. Um, but then uh, we were like, oh, let's watch this Netflix movie that came out. Um, I can't remember what it was called. Well, when we when we met when we met when we first yeah, met when we first met. And um, but of course, I was I got sick and you had already it worked out because you had already kind of canceled. But unfortunately for me, I already watched the movie, <laughs> and that's <laughs> we, not good either. You were you were the one because we we watched all those trailers. Yeah, and you were kind of excited about I, that one. Yeah, and I'm like, there. Somebody's still trying to make Adam Devine a thing, and uh, how they yeah. do? Not, not, not good. good. No, you know, here's the thing. I am a sucker for the Groundhog Day idea, uh, and, <laughs> and, and and really, the only, Groundhog Day obviously did it well, and Happy Death Day did a pretty good job, but but and and Edge of Tomorrow did a really good job of it. So that's I, true. I like. It's one of those things where when it works, it works to the betterment of the film, but when it doesn't work, like it did in that movie. It's bad, and that movie was bad. Um, but yeah, so I've seen two really bad movies that you've missed out on. I, oh no! That seems to be a theme. I've watched a lot of bad movies that you didn't have to watch. To be fair, I should have known when <laughs> when you picked a movie on Netflix what I was in for. <laughs> just like yes, a, that's true. Just like every time. Actually, sometimes you like them, but I don't. That's true. You and never like them. Yeah. No. And then sometimes I do like them and you don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 true. Um, but this week, I think we, uh, I think we did the right thing. 
this week. I think we chose the right movie. Like Spike uh, Lee. Like Spike. We, yeah, we did the we right thing. Do the right thing. Um, we got a kind of robust show that we're gonna try to move at lightning speed here, so we're not here all night. Uh, we have several news items we're gonna talk uh, about. Um, Con had sent me this James Bond article. Oh my god! So we're gonna don't go even, over that. Don't um, even. Don't even front. <laughs> I'm trying to turn it around on you. Uh-huh. I'm trying to turn. You it didn't even on realize you. what you did. That's the best part. <laughs> you just you don't even know. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh man, uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about um, Joaquin Phoenix, his possible Joker role. It seems like he's seems like he's pretty much in for it. I mean, there's still some last minute details to be worked out, but we'll talk about that. We're gonna talk. Uh, about uh, what else are we talking about, Colin? We're gonna talk. We're gonna end with Ryan Murphy and Netflix consuming every creator on earth into one being. Yeah. Um. But what? What? I'm, I'm missing one other thing that we. Oh, Ridley Scott, our old friend Ridley Scott. Our uh, favorite recurring segment. Yes. Yeah. What the hell is Ridley Scott doing right now? Um. <laughs> and I have. Uh. Well, we have. We have. A couple emails to read. Yeah. Uh, and I have a media hot take this week. We return to the media hot take. Uh, consumed a lot. I consumed a lot of stuff. Coomed. Coomed. I consumed. Coomed. I consumed a lot of stuff. I have so many media hot takes right now that they're just lining up to come in my house. Um, and then we're. <laughs> I, I don't even know what that is. What it, you know what? Never mind. Just keep going. It's been a while. We're, it's yeah. been a while. Uh-huh. Rusty. Rusty. Um, and then we're going to review Black Panther, the latest uh, addition to the MCU movie. The from- MCU u- cinematic universe? universe yes. <laughs> it's like the ATM machine. Yeah, it uh-huh. really is. Uh, it's easy for easy for you to say, Colin. It is. All right. Yeah. Let's uh let's hop off. Let's just let's just get the Bond thing out of the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know if everybody remembers, but <laughs> Brian was so excited when he found this article like a month ago, two months ago, and I don't even remember who the director was. Denis Villeneuve. Oh my God. And you were like, Colin, Denis Villeneuve is going to direct a Bond film. And I was like, first of all, I don't even need to read the article to tell you that that is absolutely never going to happen. And then we read the article and it was pretty clear it was just a bunch of speculation. And then like two weeks later... It, you know, it was official that, again, they, like, they cannot, they cannot find somebody <laughs> to direct this film. So, you sent me, you, and sending me articles for today, you sent me a variety article called Bond 25, Danny Boyle High on MGM's list to direct exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> And once again, once again, I, totally unironically, <laughs> Brian is excited and wants to talk about an unconfirmed director who is who's not even – it doesn't even say if they've approached him. It's just said they kind of want him to do it. <laughs> and in fact, his sources tell Variety that they haven't made an offer. MGM has not made an offer <laughs> yet. <laughs> he, does, he might not even know about it. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh man! But there, look. There's. I mean, I, I would believe that Danny Boyle would direct this before Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. But I don't think 
I don't think Danny Boyle is going to direct a Bond film. Well, earlier this week we got news that Christopher Nolan has withdrawn his name from the list. I'm just shocked. Totally shocked. (laughs) Daniel Craig is going to direct this film. He's just going to give up. He's going to give up and he will be on the verge of death by alcoholism. Uh, And they'll just let him direct it so he can be done and move on with his life. That's what's going to happen. How did uh, a once proud cinematic universe become such a debacle? So the, <laughs> the they they made bad films. That's how. Yeah. I mean, the last film was so bad. It was so bad. Spectre was is one of the worst Bond films, um, without question. It just I mean, you strip Bond out. It's just an it was just an awful film. It's made eight hundred and eighty million dollars somehow. And we're part of the problem. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So white boy Rick director, Jan Demange. I don't even know who that is. I don't know who what I, white boy yeah, Rick is or who Jan Demange is. <laughs> but that's their top pick. So I don't know what the point of this article was to try and. <laughs> to get me excited. To try and was. hype this movie. Uh, yeah. It was to, get me, is to get me excited, Colin. So White Boy Rick has not even come out yet. It's <sighs> Yeah, we we can talk about it later. It doesn't matter. Um it's a, some movie that nobody's seen, so I don't I don't know why Vari- the fact that Variety lists that as his the first the first credit so, is probably not a good the, sign for uh for what Jan Demange has done. He did 71 which I haven't what is, seen. What is 71? Um, I don't think I have I heard of this. It's a movie about uh, the Belfast riots. Okay. I, I, I remember, was it like two years old? Uh, like three or four years, three years old. Yeah, three plus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, anyway, so James Bond is dead, and I can't, I can't believe they got, I can't believe Daniel Craig signed up to do another one. Man, it's the gift that keeps on giving, though. Man, he's making in. Just think the residuals, eight hundred eighty million dollars. I guess. I it's that's the it's thing. It's like a year of your life, and then you just move on. But yeah, I mean that's the thing is like it's just so much money. But the thing is, he hates the movies. He's he like is literally every turn he could. He was like, I just hate doing this. I'm done with this. Like, and then they're like, here's another fifty million. I'd rather kill myself than do another that's James Bond film. His exact words. It's yes. pretty uh. Pretty emphatic. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on. Um, next week, Michael Bay <laughs> confirmed as the director of Bond 25. Dude, I, that's a movie I want to see. I would, I mean, Bond is already a pretty uh, uh, misogynist character. Put him in the hands of a. I don't think of, I would. Because at, at least the bad, over the top, exploding Bond films were like campy and didn't take mm-hmm. themselves too seriously. Um, I think of like the Brosnan era yeah. as Goldeneye, cheesy, but Golden, Goldeneye is fun. It has Goldeneye's great really fun. villains. Yeah, uh, it is Sean Bean. It's Sean Bean. What yes. more could you ask for in a Bond film? Not, not, not a whole lot. All right, all right. Let's let's talk about um, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. So, Joaquin Phoenix, beloved actor here in in, in the Midnight Film Review, um, but this I question this decision. I, I mean, I question the decision to make this a uh, Joker origin movie by Todd Phillips, who is 
a really strange director to make this to begin with. And then I question Joaquin Phoenix signing on to do this. Um, which it, he's just, it's still a rumor because it says that uh, they're waiting for studio approval. So he apparently he wants in. And uh, there had been rumors that Leonardo DiCaprio would take the role, but it fell through. And now Phoenix, um, who passed on the Lex Luthor role uh, and the role of Doctor Strange. I mean, so the Lex Luthor role in Superman Returns, is that? No, in Dawn of Justice. Oh. Oh. He said, Phoenix is quoted as saying. I totally forgot. (laughs) Lex Luthor is even in the new movies. Oh, God. My God. Uh, he said, yeah. I flirted with, with uh, several of those films, having meetings and getting close, but ultimately it never felt like they'd really be fulfilling to me. There were just too many requirements that went against my instincts for character. I've been spoiled. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I just... I remember making fun of this because we have... Todd Phillips directing... <laughs> Martin Scorsese producing for some reason. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about and that. And then I was like, okay, so Leonardo DiCaprio was playing the Joker. And, of course, he was in talks to play yeah. the Joker. But there's no studio backing for this. And who the fuck is writing it? Like, I don't care who's producing it. What? <laughs> and Todd Phillips is a weird choice. But... He will co-write and direct the film. I don't know who the other writer is. Uh, Scott Silver is the other writer. <laughs> I don't know who Scott Silver is. Oh, you wrote White Boy Rick. <laughs> and we're full circle. That's a wrap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yep. Oh, that's right. He wrote White Boy oh, Rick. How could I forget? White oh. Boy Rick. <laughs> circle Ugh. oh my god what so, is happening what is- i don't know he he wrote the awful reboot of the mod squad in 99 <laughs> he wrote eight mile and then the fighter and then finest at the finest hours which i didn't see neither did i yeah no, neither did anybody else yeah okay so that's a that is a weird uh <laughs> weird career but and white boy rick apparently yeah, I just I don't I don't know. We'll we'll see. This Whew. we've seen weirder and worse announcements. And honestly, I I think in the right circumstances, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix would deliver a fan could deliver a fantastic or really interesting novel Joker. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I, but at the same time, uh, I feel like this role is becoming a weird lightning rod for <laughs> out there actors or yeah uh, no you're right method actors or uh, you know i don't just uh the ever whole, since ever since heath ledger the whole idea behind this though is like the origin story of the joker like kind of it's just the mystique of the joker is is what makes that character great yeah and we're so are you gonna take it in a more realistic direction than chris nolan did and yeah right what is that going to – I just – yeah, I don't know. It's not confirmed yet, so I don't – we probably shouldn't talk about it. Uh, 
I don't know why anybody would try and follow Heath Ledger yeah. in that role. Uh, Jared Leto, who's is by all accounts a a good actor and has turned in some great performances over the years, that was not one of them. Uh, <laughs> one of the weirdest uh, and most pretentious mo- performances ever captured on screen, I think. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. This is weird. We'll see. Why is Martin Scorsese directing this? What is this going to look like? Uh, I mean, and Nicholson. Fucking Nicholson. Yeah. You know what? Why? Yeah. What? Why are we rein- reinventing this character? Just go do something else. Be like Michael Bay. Go be original like Michael Bay. <laughs> Make a Lobo film like Michael there Bay. There you go. Uh, totally all right, unconfirmed. so let's let's move on to another fa- favorite fan favorite here, uh, and that is uh, Ridley Scott. So I stumbled upon a tweet. Um, so Ridley Scott has because uh, he's doing the the press tour for um, his movie that is nominated for uh, a couple of Oscars. Um, all, all the, the money, money in the world. All the money in the world. He's yeah. doing some press junkets, and he said this in an interview. Um, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know who the interview was with. I think it might have been Variety, but he says this: anyone who will listen to him. That's <laughs> who the interview is with. Uh, so the quote. Uh, so so the article says um, he also advised never sitting in on editing rooms or mixing sessions, saying if the director has prepared properly, they should be delivering the materials needed to put together the movie as the director envisions it, and that seeing or hearing the same things over and over were like comedy you start to question it if you sit in quote if you sit in on the editing room with the editor every night you'll drive each other crazy i shoot i see rushes i leave it scott said scott say, saying that that way he could always f- stay fresh when seeing the first cut quote it's a good tip and so producer keith Cal- calder said uh i'm sorry but this advice to aspiring filmmakers from ridley scott is just awful don't do this. Um, and then one of, one of the uh, – somebody was quoted – or somebody tweeted underneath it like I'm, – I'm just <clears throat> paraphrasing here. But this is coming from the guy who every single one of his movies has a director's cut because he's not satisfied with the editor's cut. So what? Yeah. I, I mean also just – he's – I mean Ridley Scott is reinventing new ways to be a pretentious twat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just he's so good that he just shoots, sees the rushes, and then his vision is so goddamn clear on every frame <laughs> that <laughs> the editor just can can just feel it, and they don't, they don't need they don't need Ridley's guidance. No. Right. Uh, uh, so the some of these replies are great. Somebody said it's not awful advice. It's his way of working, despite what people may think of him. It certainly worked in in his favor a fair number of times beforehand. And Keith Cowder said, "This is good advice for Ridley Scott, an eighty year old man who's directed dozens of movies and is making hundred million budgeted films with the best department heads in the world. It's bad advice for upcoming and aspiring filmmakers, the people he's." given the advice to and to be honest i don't think it's good good advice for ridley scott either but it seems to be working for him uh yeah i just i mean (laughs) this explains both how he can shoot so many movies and why only one third of them are any good (laughs) yeah exactly uh 
<laughs> That's so true, though. Yeah. That's so true. Yep. Uh, yeah. Considering what Ridley Scott's become, I'm not prepared to take any advice from him. Uh, I just... Yeah. I mean, fuck you, Ridley Scott. Just yeah. go die. Stop. <laughs> I don't know how you accidentally made a few good films, but I am so sick of hearing you talk. And he, he will not go away, will he? He just, like, cannot stop masturbating <laughs> audibly and publicly. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Fuck you, Ridley Scott. Okay. Uh, yeah, moving on. <laughs> Enough for that seg- the segment. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you, Ridley Scott. Uh, let's talk about Netflix. So, uh, no, the New York Times released uh, an article uh, about Ryan Murphy's recent exodus from 20th for 21st Century Fox over to Netflix. Exodus. Um, $300 million deal. Um, that's a that's a huge deal. That's it's, a, it's a rumored deal. Uh, nobody, nobody has ever, nobody's put an official number out there. It's a rumored right. three hundred million dollar. According deal, to two people with knowledge of the deal, um, who yeah. spoke on the condition of an admitted. as much as three hundred million. Yeah. But in any case, he's a producer. He's a TV producer, and that's he's probably getting a an un- unprecedented amount of money. Yes, for right. being a TV producer to come work for Netflix. So to give you, if you don't know who Ryan Murphy is, he is the producer behind Glee, Nip Tuck, American Crime Story, American Horror Story, Scream Queens, um, uh, the the assassination of Gianni Versace, which is currently on FX, which um, I'm going to have a media hot take here in a couple weeks. Spoiler alert, it's really good. Um, he's made some really edgy TV and some really, uh, I mean, award-winning TV. The, the, the O.J. Simpson story won so many Emmys and Golden Globes and had tons of, uh, of hype behind it. And um, Nip, Nip Tuck was kind of the first edgy uh, TV show. I remember like uh, it showed like two girls making out and doing it. And uh, Whoa. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Glee was a huge hit sensation for, for Fox, making them lots of money. But So this guy's got a lot of clout. But this isn't the only acquisition colin that netflix has made uh shonda grimes the shondaverse um miss miss tv herself yeah the queen of tv so uh shonda rhymes the creator behind Grey's anatomy scandal how to get away with murder um am i missing anything else in there i i mean i just uh, i don't know how the no, practice, so, no, yeah. Practice, well, practice. There, there's. I think there's something else too, but I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, she, how her deal was rumored at a hundred million dollars. Shonda Rhimes is getting less than Ryan Murphy. Than Ryan that does Murphy? seem that does seem crazy, doesn't I, it? I feel like Shonda Shonda Rhimes has definitely has better name recognition, even if you don't watch her shows. Yeah, but uh, I think maybe at the same time. Uh, Ryan Murphy has a deeper portfolio, something like that. Uh, so I don't know. I thought that was interesting. That is anyway. That is very interesting. Um, or maybe, uh, you know, sexist or something uh, like that. Or that too. <laughs> that too. Uh, but <clears throat> so the New York Times article was quick to point out, though, that um, Netflix has also scooped up uh, the, the Duplass brothers um, just today. Um, on a huge deal away from HBO. So they're going to produce content in the next couple of years for uh, Netflix. 
They also have exclusive deals with Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, and David Letterman. Yep. Um, those are some big names. Yeah. I mean, Chris Rock's first stand-up special in years just premiered uh, last week. Mm-hmm. To um, rave reviews from what I understand. I haven't watched it yet, but. Yeah. I have. Maybe I should give a media hot take on it. Yeah. that you, you did. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Well, we'll get there. There you go. Maybe in due time, maybe next friend. week. Okay. Um, I don't know. So this seems like to be a different. So before um, Netflix was all about acquiring uh, uh, assets, you know, whether it's TV shows, movies, deals with production companies, and now they're kind of saying, uh, you know what? That's fine. Disney, take your product. We don't want it. Well, we heard, and I can't remember the name of the studio, but there were threats over lawsuits uh, reg- related to poaching oh, that we Fox. covered like yeah was it Fox? It was Fox. Yeah, they three uh four, three or four months ago maybe. Yeah, but it was like three uh three of their top um three of their top execs I think they they poached. Um Netflix ain't playing around, man. I mean, they have literally with 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 Shonda and Ryan Murphy, they have two of the biggest names in television creation in the last 15 years. Uh, regardless of whether or not you like their products, like this is a that's a huge deal um, to bring both of those on and to ha- and to know. Here's the thing: they know that they have room for them because I don't know how much overlap there is in, in audiences between the two, but it doesn't matter because you now you have you're attracting both audiences and uh, it, it, you're giving them creative license that they've never had before, which is really crazy to think about too. What yeah. they could do. Netflix is, they're planning on spending up to $8 billion on original <laughs> content this year. I mean, that's, that's fucking unbelievable. They, it's like they are just, they're going so all out that every time I get on Netflix, there are just like yeah. 50 new original right. p- original series that I've never even heard of before. Yeah. It's unreal the rate at which they are producing content. And I'm just... It's is this a bubble? Like, are we are they going, are they going to blow up the TV industry? I I just uh, it may, it's making it harder to watch TV because you know it's, it was hard enough because there's so many shows on television as it is, and now you interject all these other shows. It's like, well, at what point do you stop operating at a at a loss yeah. and pay back your investors and turn a profit? I mean, you just you can't just keep. Well, I I guess you know, maybe some. Uh, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs would tell me I'm wrong, uh, but it seems like you you can't just keep expanding <laughs> while operating at a loss and taking on debt indefinitely. Uh, and again, as I say that, I'm thinking of like three big companies that are still doing that and uh, pretty successful. It, it just <laughs> I don't know. It at the same time, there this market is not. This is not Uber. This is not right. Amazon. Yeah. The, there's there's a f- a fixed uh, demand for this stuff. Exactly. Uh, like once you sell everybody a fucking Netflix subscription, you <laughs> there are no more. There's nothing yeah. else to mon. There's no other right. way to monetize uh, except raise rates. I guess once you have strangled out all the competition so i don't know anyway it'll be interesting to see what happens i did hear a good um a good so there was there's twofold that talked about how it, it was i forget i think i want to say it was like a 
a digital trend article or like a uh, one of those tech company articles. And basically they said um, nobody is going to throw a fit when Netflix raises their prices by 2 to $3. But by doing that, they are bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars, more than they did before. Then you think about how attractive they suddenly become to a company like Apple to purchase them. And then they can do whatever they want. They can change the model. They can get rid of some of the debt. And now all of a sudden they're a wholly profitable company. And the people who found Netflix have lots of money and everybody's really happy. Have even more lots of money. Yeah, even more lots of money. Because they're already fucking publicly traded. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's read some emails. So here's what we'll do. Um, since uh, Drew has two emails for you, I'll go ahead and read Brian and Will's, and then I'll let you finish up with Drew's, okay? Yeah, let's Sound do good? it. So uh, I'll start out with uh, Brian Alfords, who we hadn't heard from in a long time. Hey. And, um, he uh, evidently didn't listen to our top, uh, top movies of the year episode because uh, I called him out on that, and he didn't say anything. So um, <laughs> thanks, Brian. Uh, he says, hey, guys, how's things? I recently picked up a, a 4K Blu-ray player and just got the new 4K version of Terminator 2. Cool. Still one of my all-time favorite movies. The ending gets me every time, and sometimes I get made fun of when I say this, but it makes me cry when Arnold lowers himself into the lava and gives a thumbs up. Just wondering if there's any movies that get you misty. Some others for me are Braveheart and Toy Story 3. Keep up the great work, Brian. Hmm. Um... Well, I'll say this, Brian. Um, I talked about. I saw. I've seen Arrival twice, and it's made me cry both times. Um, so that's definitely apparently a movie that makes me get emotional. Um, Toy Story three is actually a movie that is will pull on your heartstrings. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I can definitely agree with that. Um, I don't even think I've ever seen Toy Story three. Really? Yeah, really. Um, interesting. Um, I think I think you would like it. Have you seen the other Toy Stories? I mean, I've seen the first one a million times. Yeah, I, I I feel like I've seen the second one a fair amount of times, probably. Yeah, but I don't remember it the way I remember the first one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I like I was crying watching Logan. We like we are bad examples because yeah. we kind of I get like emotional easily listening to things or watching things. Like I was tearing up listening to the radio on the way over here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Although that was for. <laughs> Uh, not for a funny reason, uh, right. listening to high school kids oh, talk gosh. about yeah, losing. Anyway, uh, um, but yeah, as far as nostalgia, like, or the, you know, the sacrifice you'd know is coming, I'm sure there are examples out there. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I can I can definitely talk about, like, mo- like first time I see a movie, I always get, like, the, the, if there's uh, a chance, I'll get misty. Um, but usually by the second time, I'm not that way. That's why when I, when I saw Arrival the second time with my dad and I started to tear up, I was like, whoa, I didn't expect to feel this way again. Um, the only, maybe, maybe Saving Private Ryan. Um, but I haven't seen that movie in forever either. Like that was a movie that definitely, uh, made me emotional. Yeah. I don't know. Logan, like you mentioned, as a emotional movie. Yeah, there's not there's not movies where I watch and I cry every time I see it or like every time I think of it like I get misty. But honestly, I I probably would I probably would tear up uh, 
watching Vader um, choose Luke over Palpatine in Return of the Jedi. Interesting. Uh, yeah, stuff like that, you know, where, I mean, that's, you know, that's a pretty pretty serious emotional climax for a, a, a three, third film in a series. I don't yeah, know. no, I, 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 I'm just bad. At, I can't really think of anything. But yeah, we're with you, Brian. You're, you're not alone. Yeah, thanks for the email, Brian. Sorry, um, I called you out a couple weeks ago, um, and may, maybe I shouldn't be because maybe you didn't, you, you don't care. Uh, so then I will emailed. Um, he says, Midnighters, you guys talk about the Oscars, but I've never heard you speak to the Razzies. This year is the 38th Razzie Awards, and I'm just curious, which one of these films do you think is the worst? Um, he has, and here's the thing, uh, Will, I will just go ahead and say this for Colin. We haven't seen these movies, so, uh, it's the Transformers, the last night, the emoji movie, 50 shades of gray. Oh, we saw the mummy. Um, we saw, we saw Baywatch. Baywatch. Oh, you, you, you have it up, pulled up over there. Uh huh. Um, daddy's home too. It, uh, it was one of the ones Baywatch. Um, well, I don't know. What, what do you, th- what, uh, wait, I only see, uh, I only see five. Well, it's uh, <clears throat> oh maybe is it a bigger category than <laughs> he's just listing like all the movies that got nominated across all like all uh, the uh, all the nominations across all the categories because he has mother in here. <laughs> how like how could any of these actors compete with Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, for could, worst yeah, actor. Come on, I mean Tom Cruise, Zac Efron. Zac Efron was like fun in a dumb performance. I mean, even Johnny Depp on his worst, at his, at at his worst on his worst day. I don't know, dude. Zach Efron does not deserve. I mean, Baywatch wasn't good, but he doesn't deserve to be in this. Yeah. Um. I, so, out of all these movies listed, uh, <laughs> Tyler. Wait, hold on, hold on. Tyler Perry is nominated for worst <laughs> actress. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, Come on. Yeah, that's. <clears throat> I would say out of all these movies listed on here, um, uh, the circle. It's like the same six yeah, movies. It is. You're right. In every fucking category. Um, yeah. I guess nobody saw Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> fucking uh, it, 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 Alien Covenant. Yeah. That was it what? was awful. Good calling that, Colin. That's worse than any of these films, except for the ones that I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. thanks, Will, for writing in. Hopefully, that was enough Radzi talk for you. Uh, Oh, okay. Yep, moving on. All right. So, we had a couple. Is it my turn? Yeah. Did I do it right? Yeah. We had a, we had a couple of emails from regular contributor Drew Mascherelli, 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 Mash, Mash, Mascherelli, Mascherelli. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to I just wanted to pronounce it every way. Uh, subject: Why am I like this? Dear foul mouth white boys, <laughs> last week Colin implied that I might be seeing Fifty Shades Freed for Valentine's Day. This was not the case. I, a single <laughs> college student, went to the theater at 10, 10, 10 p.m. on a Saturday night and saw the film by myself. <laughs> Drew, I had no idea. That's, I mean, you, you, you're kind of hardcore, man. Is there any other way to see uh, that movie? <laughs> uh, it was a terrible movie. <laughs> Several moments stand out as being particularly memorable. But perhaps the most memorable is a five-minute sex scene revolving around a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I also distinctly remember... Are they just getting less kinky as the films go on? Sure. 
I also distinctly remember the couple sitting about seven seats away from me, making out for the first half of the movie and leaving without their things. While this wasn't technically part of the motion picture, it adds to the steamy theater atmosphere fans have come to expect from the Fifty Shades saga. Now I know what you're thinking. Drew, what's a Fifty Shades movie without the incredibly quotable dialogue? (laughs) Fret not, my dear boy. I have you covered. My favorite quotes include... (laughs) There's nothing but boobs for as far as I can see. (laughs) Boobs in boob land. Anastasia Gray. Oh my god. I sense an intruder. <laughs> Christian Gray, looking at his pregnant wife's stomach. <laughs> Sir, I await your pleasure. Oh. Anastasia Gray over text in the last scene of my, the movie. Despite all this, I'm finding oh it very difficult to actually be angry about the movie. I'm clearly not the target demographic, and I made the conscious what? decision to see it, despite knowing full well that I was going to hate it. This is also the first and last time I've ever, I'll ever take notes in a theater. I've attached them below just to prove that I did, but you probably won't be able to read them. I'm seeing 1517 to Paris tonight, so maybe that will be a good pirate palate cleanser. In in parentheses, it won't. Greetings from Boobland. Wish you were here. Drew Masharelli. Drew, this is incredible. He All right, there are... Hold on. One, two, three, four, five... Jeez. Five over five pages of notes, and it looks like I can't tell. It might even be like legal size paper. Uh, <laughs> God, <laughs> this is. I mean, we should like we should you should post this somewhere because this is amazing. Okay, I'll um, post it to the uh, with Drew's permission. Drew, um, <laughs> send me a message and I'll with your permission, and I'll pro- post it to our Facebook page. And the last, the last page he just has, it's finally over in all capitals underlined, uh, taking up about a third of the page. <sighs> well, Drew, your sacrifice is even more noble, knowing that you were not dragged, but you went went forth into the into the abyss of your own volition, bravely <laughs> and resolutely for our benefit. Uh, I, I, dude, the worst thing about that, that the thing that made me feel bad for him is he said he's going to see the 15 to 17 to Paris afterwards. I, that is, oh, I don't, I want, I wish I could have stopped him. Like that's <laughs> one of the worst decisions he could have ever made. Yeah. I honestly, I bet. Well, yeah, I bet I would enjoy 50 shades. Is it freed now? Yeah. No, I guarantee more. you would. Just because it sounds so bad, the dialogue is so bad. All right. Uh, so Drew also writes a 1517 follow-up. I was standing in line to get tickets for Black Panther, and there was a couple with their young son standing in front of me. The boy, who couldn't have been older than seven or eight, looked up at his mom and said, You know what other movie looks really good? The 1517 to Paris. <laughs> All I could think to myself was, yeah, that seems about right. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, little boy. Run. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine taking a child in that movie. Like, it's literally... I mean, I was bored out of my mind for at least... If you want to put a kid to sleep, I guess. If you want to put a, any kind of human being to sleep, I guess. Drew, you are you are something else. Yeah, you are a trooper. Thank you for waiting in there and uh, 
doing battle on our behalf. Yeah, you're a magical human being. <laughs> Bra- braver man than than we. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thanks again for the emails. Uh, we didn't tell them how they could email Colin. Why? Fire an email away. I I don't have any more dumb. <laughs> Power up your electronic typewriters. You just plug them into an internet and use your use your ISP to something something. Then using AOL keyword midnight film review. You remember AOL keywords? Yes. Uh, anyway, send us an email midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. That's midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. Send us send us something for for me to read in my uh, my fake old timey advertiser voice. I don't know. <laughs> send. <laughs> Tell us your thoughts about the fifteen seventeen to Paris, or uh, yeah, send us cats. I don't know. We yeah. we we're really easy here. Send us an email. We will re- read it live, recorded on the air, for your pleasure and fame. You know, <laughs> that's what it's all about. There you go. Except you know what? Caveat: Ridley Scott. We will not read your emails. Actually, that's not true. We would totally read it, but we would we would talk shit about you the whole time. So. Exactly. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't forget the emails. We'll be right back with some media hot takes. All right, Colin. It's uh that time of the year again. We're gonna do some media hot takes. Media hot takes. Which, well, it's really. I wasn't. That wasn't a good one. Let's just. There wasn't it. a lot of base. No, okay, let's do it. Let's do it again. Um, yeah. I got. A, I got a media hot take for us, Colin. Media hot takes. <laughs> Ooh. All right. So I'm just gonna do a quick one because we're running long. Surprisingly. Uh huh. Um, I watched The Ritual this weekend. So The Ritual, uh, it dropped the same night as the Cloverfield uh, Paradox, um, but it didn't get nearly the hype that. The, that movie did so this movie is an hour and a half long it's directed by david bruckner never heard of him he's never done anything you've you've seen uh probably i mean he's done some horror movies that like vhs the signal southbound any of those movies um and then it was written by joe barton uh based on a novel so it follows four friends um a group of college friends or four of them who reunite for a trip to the forest and encounter a menacing presence. So uh, that's a really not a good description <laughs> of the movie. Um, so Rafe Spall stars as Luke. He's the main character and uh, the movie starts out and he goes into a liquor store with his friend and the liquor store unbeknownst to them is being robbed and his friend is murdered. Um, so they go, him and his friends go on this trip to the the hills of Sweden. Is, is this, I think it's Sweden. I always say Sweden, but it, it could be Switzerland. Sweden. Um, uh, I think it's Sweden. Anyways, they go they go the to the European countryside. Okay. <laughs> and uh, because this is where their their friend that passed away, he always wanted to visit. He wanted to go hiking, and while they're there. Um, one of their friends hurts his ankle, so they decide to take a shortcut um, from their hiking trip back to their cabin through the woods. And um, some really bad stuff starts happening to him. Colin, I don't know if you'd like this movie. Um, 
at first I thought you would like I'm watching this, I'm like oh this is actually maybe calm like but then the ending kind of falls flat in a weird way but it's a psychological horror movie it deals a lot with um what do you give until you, it's not until that, until it's not yeah. yeah okay um it deals a lot with uh the 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 loss of their friend and um the emotional the survivor guilt that uh that Luke has um the performances are all really good the the main problem with this movie is there's a part in the movie where they stumble upon a a a ritual no, no a group <laughs> I can resist trying to, to be non-spoiler as possible a group of inhabitants who live in, in in these in these woods and i think it would have made a lot more sense if that would have happened earlier in the movie rather than towards the end of the film um because this thing is like this this being is stalking them throughout the the movie um it's this is very similar to something like the wicker man or um the kill list <laughs> nothing nothing similar to the wicker man no i just mean that like uh. <laughs> i'm trying to think of like the they, they, these people are then try to use them as a sacrifice. It's kind of the idea I'm trying to put forth. I, it's just, it's a mismatch of a mismatch of ideas that I think had like some real, like there's some real scary, there's some real good horror elements in this, some really scary stuff. But it was like they took Blair Witch and then they mixed it in with, you know, like the Kill List or wicker man and like uh with a little bit of deliverance and, and it's just it's all these weird ideas that are kind of mixed together when if they just stuck with the idea of these four friends who are lost in the woods and they stumble upon this place and something weird has happened here and their mind starts getting all messed up maybe they get into some magic mushrooms i don't know this could have been a really interesting film but instead it just it undercuts itself scene after scene after scene um and the performances weren't weren't that great. But the reason I wanted to talk about this film is that it is infinitely more entertaining than the Cloverfield Paradox. It's, it's just so funny. Like it's not good. This isn't a good movie. Like I wouldn't say that here and say like, oh, watch the ritual. But compared to the Cloverfield Paradox, a, a movie that had a huge budget, a movie that was purchased for fifty million dollars by Netflix, and a movie that we reviewed here on. The Midnight Film Review. And this movie was released to little fanfare. Nobody really talked about it. And it is it is way more entertaining and thrilling than that movie. So uh, if you are looking for a little cheap horror thrill, um, th- this would be much better served around Halloween or when you're looking for some scary movies. Um, check it out. It's not, not a great movie, but you can do worse. Um, so that's The Ritual. It's on Netflix right now. Um, Check it out if you so choose. All right. That's going to do it for Media Hot Takes. We'll be right back with a spoiler-free review of The Black Panther. All right, Colin. We're back with a spoiler-free review of The Black Panther. Bagheera goes rogue. <laughs> uh, so the Black Panther, um, not I wouldn't say this is a well known, right? This isn't a well known. 
Well, I would say it is now. It is, yeah. I would say it is now. Pre before before this uh, this addition to the MCU, not much was known about the Black Panther when it came to uh, fans of the Marvel Universe cinematic universe. Maybe comic book fans knew Black Panther. Um, uh, I know he was a. I know he was a uh, uh, a, a member of of the. Marvel comic book universe. And I know that I had remember when, um, they announced civil war, I know he played a big part in civil war in the comic book. Um, so I didn't know what to expect when, we, when we had a full feature length black Panther movie. Um, but when they tabbed Ryan Coogler to write and direct, uh, I got a little bit more excited, got a little bit more excited. Um, and then when you started looking at the cast, you know, Chadwick Boseman, uh, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Danae Gurria, uh, just uh, Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, just so many quality actors. Um, got a little bit more ex- excited about this this movie. Um, not that I didn't even mention Sterling K. Brown or Forrest Whitaker or Andy Serkis. Anyways, this is a killer, killer cast, killer director. Um, and overall, um, this movie has been the most successful uh, Marvel movie outside of the Avengers. Um, breaking every box office record you can imagine. Um, biggest February open. Biggest non-white director opening. Um, just just annihilating every box office record you can think of. Um, 208 million, is that right, Kellen? Did it break 200 million? 204 million? For the for weekend? opening? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, it was two hundred. Hold on, two hundred two. Two hundred two. Two hundred two million dollars opening weekend. Yeah, so Un- it fell short of the Avengers. Unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, it's it's up there. It's uh, <laughs> made made some money. Made um, just a, just highest, a little bit. Yeah, highest Monday gross of all time. Eighth highest single day gross of all time. <laughs> eighth highest opening day gross of all time. Uh, Second highest Sunday single Sunday gross. Um, best best opening winter of all time winter film. Best February opening of all time. Best President's Day opening of all time. Fifth best PG thirteen opening of all time. Uh, second fastest film to two hundred fifty million dollars ever. Can I tell you my favorite stat about the the money that this movie brought in? Yeah, is. In four days, Black Panther had eclipsed the entire domestic gross of the Justice League. <laughs> In four days. That sounds about right. Pretty amazing. All right, Colin. Um, let's uh, let's hear your thoughts on the movie. What did you think about Black Panther? So I think talking about this movie is going to be kind of complicated. Uh, and... One of the reasons is because this film is is a long time coming. Uh, we have black screenwriters, black directors, and with the exception of Martin Freeman and to a much lesser extent Andy Serkis, an all-black cast. Uh, this film also is not a traditional Marvel movie in almost every way every well in most most conceivable ways i'm you know 
it's not, obviously this is not a it's still <laughs> still a genre film of sorts mm-hmm. but it it does a lot that no marvel film has ever attempted before and at the same time it falls flat in ways that i did not expect it to uh so a, a couple a couple big big picture or forest level thoughts uh i think my expectations were too high uh this film has like almost an it has like an 88 on metacritic or something i don't think the quality of film is quite there uh at the same time i i enjoyed this film a lot but it wasn't it wasn't what i was expecting and uh it's it's sort of weird um the the ways it delivered are things I could not have or maybe I would have if I paid more attention but uh, we're not we're not anticipating and then the ways it fell flat I are the th- in in areas I just sort of take for granted as far mm-hmm. as production coming out of MCU films uh, so yeah it, this film was interesting it's a lot of fun I really enjoyed it everybody should go see it. Uh, it's really novel. I think this is important. Uh, and at the same time, I, I haven't seen a lot of people willing to be critical of the film. Uh, and not that this film needs to be like destroyed or not that this is a, a bad film because it's not. But there's some pretty glaring flaws, uh, especially considering this was made on a $200 million budget. They haven't released the official uh, pre-marketing production cost, but that's the number floating around is $200 million, um, which is significant. Uh, So this film, first of all, the cast and the performances are awesome. Chadwick Boseman, it's, it's so weird because he's great, and then... Lupita Nyong'o, you, like, she just effortlessly proved that she is not, was not a, you know, a one-off actress. She just is, is better, better than Chadwick Boseman. She's unbelievable. Uh, And Denai Guerrera, who I did not recognize. I don't know what I've seen her in before. She is so charismatic and so good in her role. She steals the show. Oh yeah. Totally. Totally agree with that. Yeah. They're, they're like, even the supporting performances, you know, with the exception of a few roles are just, they're just awesome. There are so many great characters and great performances in this film. Um, and this film is a world building film. You, you're not, you don't end up here be, at the end of the film, wanting to see more battles or fights. Mm-hmm. You want to spend more time with the characters and investigate yep. this place uh, and understand their past. And uh, so it's it's weird. It's it's subverts a lot of the things that have become almost tropes for these superhero, film, superhero films mm-hmm. uh, and is really expansive uh, and interesting and... It doesn't introduce us to just a character or a neighborhood. Uh, yeah. Introduces us to a culture with the rules and traditions and does it in a great way. Yeah. And this film asks questions and it doesn't ask, it 
the political allegory here I thought was interesting and compelling and I think is done in, in a very, very smart and very effective way. And I really appreciated that. Uh, and I'll, I'll get, I'll stop talking here in a second. I, there's just so much to unpack with this film, but mm-hmm. the, the CG is just bad. The CG is just, there's no way around it. It is awful. It is worse than Thor Ragnarok. And Thor Ragnarok was the first time I kind of remember being really struck by how fake or shoddy some of the effects look. And there is not there is not a scene. Now, the backgrounds and the environments are incredible and beautiful, but every time actors or characters are animated, it just it doesn't look good. It doesn't look finished. They look like clay. Uh, they yeah. don't look like humans moving like humans do. It just looks fake. And that's confusing. And the other thing is that as as good as Ryan Coogler is at directing certain things, uh, he's awful at directing. The, the action scenes are not well choreographed or filmed in this. They're just, they're just bad. It reminds me of Batman Begins uh, <laughs> in, in a, a few yeah. points. Uh, and even when we're not just obfuscating the action with visual tricks or quick cuts it doesn't get any better so yeah i i (laughs) it's weird because i don't um i'm sorry were you no i'm yeah i'm 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 gonna just echo most of what you said so we can jump into spoilers but i just want to make a quick note too on the action is i don't know that the choreography was necessarily bad because (laughs) you don't get to see any of it yeah there's uh, I mean, there is so much, so many quick cuts. Uh, it, it, it just, everything is either tight or CGI'd. There's, it doesn't seem like there's actual humans who are fighting ever in this movie. Even the large uh, uh, action beats seem, they, they just, they just don't ever feel cohesive. Uh, I'll, we can talk more about it in spoilers, but I definitely agree with you. I mean, you know, we didn't, I mean. We didn't see this movie together, but we both came in, came to each other, and we have the same kind of problems with the movie. Um, uh, I agree that CGI, this is, it's going so far backwards compared to even Spider-Man Homecoming, um, and that was really recent. And you look at, like, the, you know, the last few movies, I mean, the CGI in Doctor Strange is amazing. And then fast forward to Thor Ragnarok, and that Kate Blanchett scene is just, that was one of the worst scenes ever. And then you get to this, and it's just, it's clearly not a human being. Uh, there, the There's a scene, I don't want to, I guess that's a spoiler, but there's a couple scenes where I'm just like, it's distracting. It's so bad, it's distracting. And I've never felt that way in a Marvel movie. Um, in DC, yeah, felt that way plenty of times. Uh, other movies, it just doesn't, I for a $200 million movie, some of the things just don't seem to fit. Um, outside of the action and th- that kind of direction, Ryan Coogler put together a spectacular movie here. Uh, I just i i left I left the theater thinking this was, in a lot of ways, the the best non traditional Marvel movie. That, I've, that we that we've had like there's been Marvel movies that have tried to do other things, um, 
like and, and, I, and I think of like Thor Ragnarok and I think of uh, Ant-Man where they tried to do think a little outside the box um, and those movies are good like, I like those movies but this movie just feels so different you're in this world that is wholly realized with these characters who are full of depth and um, have uh, they, they just seem like people they don't seem like um, surface level uh, ideas of characters they seem like real full fully realized characters is what I'm trying to say and um, I really appreciated that Wakanda feels like a real place it feels lived in um, it has these uh, rules that, that Ryan Coogler shows us he doesn't have a lot of exposition trying to explain like what is going on um, so much about the beginning plot of this movie has to do with the rules of Wakanda and what we're expecting and what the rest of the film lays out. Um, and I just thought that was a really interesting approach. Um, and it, it's something that, uh, that Marvel has tended to struggle with. I think back to Dr. Strange where the rules of that movie, um, are so poorly handled and the way that it's set up is confusing. Um, and then the villain in this, in this movie, Michael B. Jordan is excellent as Killmonger. I, I've heard a lot of talk about this villain and I want to get into more because I do think they missed something here that could have been really cool. But for the most part, um, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie a lot and I, uh, I'm excited now to see how, if Ryan Coogler does a sequel to this movie, if this ever, ha I mean, you would think there has to be a sequel. This movie destroyed the box office. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if Ryan Coogler wants to give up um, his life because he, you know, he's made smaller movies. Like this is a guy who went from Fruitvale Station, um, which was a small movie with Michael B. Jordan about a true story. Uh, then he somehow, like, convinced Sylvester Stallone to let him do a Creed movie, and it was like amazing and surprising. And now, well, you know, now he's done the Black Panther. So uh, I'm interested to see where he goes from here. I will say I'm I'm really curious to talk with you in spoilers because I felt like Michael I, f I feel like Killmonger as the antagonist in this film uh, and I feel like Michael B Jordan's performance were the some of the more problematic elements that aren't that don't that aren't just visual visual elements of the film uh, Interesting. I thought his performance was intense, but kind of the character is just kind of directionless. I, I feel like, and it just it doesn't. Uh, it's it's like it it is a big missed opportunity in the midst of this film that does so many other things well. Uh, but this is the first time we are not just with a hero who is saving people to prove himself or to make up for their past failing. This is, it's a film about a person who has responsibility and is part of a culture with rules and traditions and trying to decide what his role is uh, in leading them. Uh, and then what their role is in the larger world. And it's just so much more compelling than, you know, having a hero discover 
his power or you know yeah some, no some, I, I agree some trope that provides the background motif that we've seen a million times before uh this is is the the fact that this can be self-contained in wakanda and not at the same time but really about a people and mm-hmm. what it means to be a good leader and yeah the, the, right asking questions about the sins of the father yep. there yep. there are just there are some so many fun different things that make the backdrop for this film just so much better than uh than the standard hero hero tropes that we're used to uh, and that is a huge part of uh, i think what what makes this film work despite its flaws? What makes it so interesting and novel and fun mm-hmm. despite its flaws? Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with, uh, with everything you said. And, uh, um, let's uh, let's go to spoilers. Wanna yeah. Do that? Uh, so this film, go see this film. Uh, this film deserves your money. Um, I mean, I just not not to be. I'll, I'll try and be quick, not to be too political, but uh, it's it's hilarious that it took so long for. <laughs> somebody to invest in making a film with by black filmmakers for mm-hmm. for everybody but for a black audience um yeah. you know why did it like and if yeah it's you do it well and you don't just fucking pander like yeah tyler right. perry or something yeah like right. you make a good film and you make a serious film and yeah, yeah. it's gonna do well no, and to your point, I mean, there I went to see a theater uh, right around the corner from my house, and there are, there was like, uh, there was two seventy-year-old, uh, older black ladies in front of me. Like, they, I guarantee they've never seen Civil War or Thor, but they're here to see this movie because they can relate to it. And it's like they had, you could tell they hadn't seen a movie in a long time because like there she was asking me to help her with the kiosk, and me and Amanda are like trying to figure out like. Why are confirmation numbers not working? And, and like, and you know, like, you are missing out on this huge portion of of society. And uh, but it, it, I mean, I don't think Hollywood's going to learn anything about this because I mean, look at Get Out. I mean, this is just another example um, of them just ignoring a huge section of of the moving going movie going audience. Yeah, but I mean, what it really takes is is money. Yeah. That's that's yeah. what motivates yeah. them, and this film made made a lot of money, and it yeah. is it is just it has been the feedback has been and response from audiences both uh, as far as the the reception the movie's gotten and the like how well it's done in the box office. I think that hopefully, because um, what needs to happen is basically, you know, white producers or studio heads or whoever is in charge of the money you know they need to take risks and invest in black filmmakers until black filmmakers don't need to rely rely on white producers to get their films made and ryan coogler can make the film he wants instead of you know a black panther right and be you know or at least or at least be chased too like 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 you know ava duvernay is uh at that point you know she got chased for wrinkle in time hey we want you to make this movie and uh that's yeah that's you're absolutely correct and here's the other thing too about that and then we'll get to spoilers is it's just silly to me because like you think about think of, of 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 black cinema and think of the successes and it's like 
like coming to America, for instance, that movie was huge when it came out. And it's like, what, what, what an all black cast, uh, you know, and black creators. And it took how long for you to pick up on this? Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just, it just, I know people have talked about <clears throat> coming to America and being like one of the first like fully realized black movies and but it's just like that movie was huge i remember in my hometown like my mom going and saying like it was sold out like every seat in middle america ohio was filled and with all colors and races and like it it doesn't and it's not even about color and race it's about just making good movie but guess what if you include this other segment of the audience and don't like you know uh not not pander to them or exclude them then guess what everybody will come like it doesn't matter what color they are and black Panther is just a great example of that i mean this was a pot that had been simmering for a while it just took the right steps and the right people to make it work and i'm not surprised i didn't think it would make this much money but i am not surprised that it i think that get out last year was a good indication that if you had the right creators in the right script that you can make something special coming from um let's do let's do spoilers ready yeah all right we'll be right back with spoilers for black panther what honey wow are you kidding me you just ruin it every time i'll see you at home wait a second now how would you not know that that was taking place and we're back colin spoilers for the black panther um or is it just black panther i think it's black panther just black panther not the black panther I'm sorry I ruined your Black Panther party. <laughs> um, so I let's talk a bit. Let's talk about um, Michael B. Jordan um, because so I think that I had different issues than you had with the character. So let me just say this, and um, again, this movie is kind of hard to criticize because um, it's so long in the making. But that doesn't mean it's a perfect film by any means. I had problems with character motivations in this movie across the board. Yeah. Um, and I think that they were very curable. Like there was some, you could, there were, there were things in this movie that you could have cured very easily. Um, all the way to the end of the movie when Daniel Kaluuya's character who like, I understand why he's upset. Like you, you, they, they see that early on, but to just, <laughs> to just outright betray his best friend and his uh, wife i'm guessing or lover it's just you uh, like i understand that you know screen time is limited but it would have taken maybe mm-hmm. two more short scenes like 30 second scenes maybe 20 sec two t- 20 second scenes just build build his investment in the capture of this like make us understand how important this is to him and make it yes make us believe he is willing to pivot on this one issue like he's Mm -hmm. willing to betray his friend uh and go against his you know his wife or his his lover (laughs) to support this usurper who has brought him who's given him what he wanted give him the like it's just yeah so that is that is a great example it and and the the Killmonger thing, I, I thought the performance was fine. You didn't like the performance. I thought, I, I'm a, listen, listen, I'm a sucker for Michael B. Jordan. When he took off his shirt, I was like, 
if Amanda left me for him, I would be like, I, I, I agree. Yes, do it. I mean, I my breath was sucked out of me when he took his shirt off. Like he is a gorgeous human being. He is. And yeah, he, he is, is really a, good looking. And he is a presence on the screen too. Like just his. Just his presence. He it's when he was standing by uh Chadwick Boseman, I'm just like, he is so much bigger than this guy. Like it just seemed like he just was like so much more massive. Even, you know, we saw him in Creed and he's cut and chiseled, but this movie he it was like he balked up. He was like thick and wide and strong. And I felt like he exuded that through his character too. The only real issue I had is why did he kill Andy Circus's character at that moment in time? It made no sense. He had to have a million other opportunities to kill him. Why at this point is he choosing to kill him? Because he he was going to deliver. That was his, he was his in. You know, who was his in? Andy Circus was his in. Well, I know he wanted to kill him, but I just don't understand why. Like what? Like. Why at that moment? Why right when they're getting ready to get on the plane is that when he chooses to kill him? So he can take the plane and fly it into Wakanda. Uh, so he he was waiting for this moment to get a plane so he could fly it into Wakanda. That you're telling me that this was the moment that he was waiting. No, now, to to have Andy Circus dead, and and look, what is his character's name? Hold on. <laughs> yeah, Ulysses Clow Clow Clue 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 Yeah Clue Whatever Whatever Ulysses, Clue. He rolls deep, you know. Okay. Yeah, he does. You're right. That's... So he 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 built up his trust, and he only needed to kill one person. Uh, he also didn't have an arm at that point. Like, yeah, that's was... true. That's true. Fair enough. Okay. That, that part, yeah, I didn't really have any issues with that. You know, he he waits until, I, I mean the, so the real MacGuffin and all that is everything that happens before that because it doesn't. It only serves to put characters in, in yeah the same right. place with you know Martin Freeman and you're, but that's that's true yeah you're right yeah. I I don't disagree with that I just thought it, I I feel like that whole handling of Michael B Jordan's character pre uh, pre Wakanda could have been done better like we could we you didn't have to have these big reveals of it's he's the son of. Uh, uh, he's the cousin of Chadwick Boseman of uh, T'Chaka. Like you don't, I, you just didn't need that, and I feel like that detracted more than anything from the movie, um, because it makes him less relatable. Like we don't know him as a character. We don't understand what he's been through. We don't understand the rejection that he has felt by not being allowed to come or to be experienced the same thing that. Like I guess I wanted to see more of that juxtaposition of this kid is now a fatherless. Um, child of the street, what he's had to work through to get to have this opportunity to to kill Andy Serkis. We, we don't get to see any of that. Um, and I just, I know that there, we needed more movie for that, but, and they try to do a little bit in a flashback. It just, that those were my big, biggest issues with that character is I wanted to see more of him becoming that villain, you know? Well, so he's, but he's already, he's ahead of everybody at that point. And what I, I think they could have waited longer for that reveal. Uh, but ultimately where, where everything falls short is he's just, he's just a fucking petulant child. Yeah. Like he could, he, they just make him so he's like, he's compelling until you like on paper and then you, you actually meet him and he's just like, 
destabilize everything. Like he could have he could have been so much more interesting if his character was more nuanced and yeah. not just so Maybe you're right. Ridiculous. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Yeah, Maybe if, that, that might that might be my issue. If like if his plan wasn't just like I'm going to destabilize like start civil wars everywhere else because I I don't know. It's just it's like too much too fast. Yeah. It, and if that, you, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're right. It's just it like it goes from it goes to warp speed immediately. And I think like a more subtle coup. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah. And and just like not, just playing it, playing it a little bit, <laughs> a little bit slower. Uh, you know, maybe getting some bringing other people around to his way of thinking and. And then seizing power instead of just being so obviously the bad guy and evil yeah, and seizing right. power. Yeah, you know, I'm with like, you on that. Just if he like convince other people that you have a legitimate claim, and convince them that your perspective is going to benefit them rather than this isolationist one, mm-hmm. uh, which ends up being what T'Challa realizes. It's just right. Yeah. Not T'Challa obviously understands the correct way to do it instead of just we're just going to overthrow everybody to get back at. And what it just comes down to, he's is he's just angry and betrayed. So he lived and that's my biggest problem. He he has this intricate plan. He's been plotting his whole life to get close to Mm T'Challa. He times it so that he can. I guess maybe it doesn't matter. He comes in and challenges him for the throne and wins, and now he has the keys to his kingdom. And, you know, so everything he's done since he understood why his father died and who he was has led to this point. And then it's just, he's just going to blow everything up, you know, just mm-hmm. just throw a tantrum and yeah. kill everybody because the world's not fair and <laughs> I suffered. It's He doesn't even want... He doesn't even want revenge on it. It's like it. it's just so unrelatable. He doesn't even want revenge on normally he would. The character would have a grudge against T'Challa. Right. Yeah. And yeah. would want to destroy him. Yeah. Pun- make um, him suffer. Punish him. Sure. Yeah. And like either physically or by, you know, seizing his power and, you know, in in some more. In like killing him politically or framing him for something, you know, and that would be, and he would have to, T'Challa would have to prove himself, and you know, while the usurper sits on the throne, and they just, it's just, he never, nothing he has to offer is makes you question the way you've been looking at his character. Yeah, right. It was a really backward way of doing things. I think. Yeah, it was. You 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 make a really good point in saying that it happens so quickly, and we don't ever get to feel like what it what a what a killmonger ruling like what it would be like to for him to rule like we just see him immediately like let's go to war and I have to do it because I have to listen to him he's my king so I have to do it kind of thing um, yeah the other thing that I want I want to make sure that we talk about. Um, that I that I really wanted to talk about before we move on, um, and it, and it's not a, I don't have like I, I don't have necessarily a huge issue, um, 
But it goes along with the fact that uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character, you know, goes to war with... There's like a, a, a breakout of a civil war in the, at, at the end of this movie. And I just... It, it bothered me for several reasons. One is... We, as much as we know about Wakanda and the the different tribes, we don't understand their loyalty to each other or the loyalty to the kingdom. And now all of a sudden, you have these people who are taking sides, and we don't understand why they're taking sides. We don't know. I mean, we understand that what Killmonger wants and Kaluuya wants, and then the how do you say the the tribe the females the Dahaya the Dahala Dahaya the 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 group the warrior the warrior princess group the, oh I don't I don't remember their... the Dahaya whatever we understand like their resistance but it just that whole thing I kept thinking like they wouldn't be killing each other like it just didn't make sense they they're literally murdering each other at the whim of this guy like yeah I just that didn't it just I didn't, it just didn't make sense like to me like all of a sudden within a day they go from peaceful successful to we're gonna kill each other we're just gonna murder each other and without like there was nothing that was boiling over yeah. you know you know what I mean no I do and and then but at the same time like some of their you you sort of fill in the blanks right and you give them the benefit of the doubt but they're just they don't do the work that they need to do to make it compelling or put any depth there and the the one interesting part is uh mbaku who yeah you know is is a multi-dimensional character yeah. and is capable of seeing the bigger picture and being swayed uh and you know being loyal where it's deserved and then you have and that's so that turn is done perfectly it's set up yeah and executed and it's there's nothing surprising right. there uh, you've seen it before, but it's just well done. Uh, the the actor Winston Duke is charismatic and hilarious, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the between him and Chadwick Boseman and the writing, you pull it. They pull <laughs> yeah. it off. Yeah. But then you have the, the these other elements of, you know, people being willing to betray their old values uh, for this new king. And he hasn't even promised them, you know, power or any, there's there's just none of the elements are in place. You just kind of pretend that or ignore it and move on. And yeah, it, it, it seemed, it felt weird and lazy, but then that whole scene is just, it's just a a freaking mess anyway. Yeah, Uh, it really is. So uh, it, uh, the only other thing I didn't like about the movie, um, which Andy Serkis' performance was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Un- unbelievably fun, small part. I, I mean, s- relatively small uh, supporting part. But you, like, that's Golem. That yeah, guy I know. who is the most fun, interesting, like, South African gangster. Yeah. So good. That was Andy Serkis. He killed it. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about his character is uh, his invisible arm that is not invisible. That whole CGI part of it, like, it bothered me to high heaven once he loses his arm. And, it like, you could see it. You could tell that there's an arm there. Like, that drove me nuts. 
Like the CGI, I can't I can't reiterate it enough, is so bad. That last fight scene where they're fighting on the tracks, and it like it's kind of a cool moment. Like all the the sound disperses and it's just them fighting and there's no music, but it just looks so fake. It looks ridiculous. It's like this is supposed to be a really cool fight scene and it ends up just being painful. It's weird that just all the action beats feel so flat. Even even the ones I was really like the waterfall fight scene, that mm-hmm. should have been a no-brainer. Yeah. And I can I I can tell there's some interesting choreography happening. I just can't see it for more than like two tenths of a second at a time out of the corner of my eye as the camera fucking pans across it and then cuts and reverses to another. It's just why did why did it sh- they shoot it that way? I don't know. Yeah, good question. I don't know. Like why why give us why <sighs> why sh- why why are we talking about this? Why why do we have to criticize the action beats in this movie? Like if that if that had been done well, then I mean it doesn't matter because the film is killing it anyway yeah. and got going reviews anyway. I just it just seems so stupid and unnecessary. Yeah, that to seems miss like, that. That seems like the easy part. Like that like yeah, that seems like the really easy does. The easy the easy thing to nail. Um, there was one other thing that just popped in my head that I wanted to say, and uh, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it. I was so I was kind of hoping that this movie, and I, and I had no reason to think that it would, but I thought it was going to kind of subvert at the end um, and not kill Killmonger. I I thought there was going to be some kind of impasse that they would come to, um, and we would see. <sighs> I don't know. I just thought that it would have been a unique way to end the movie um, for them to have some kind of like moment where they realize like they're they shouldn't be fighting each other. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I think I think T'Challa was there the whole time. Yeah, for sure. He's also not not like a you know, this isn't like a. disney or something (laughs) you know he's like he's he's willing to show mercy and he doesn't want to like he understands that somebody else created this problem like yeah somebody else's and adults fuck up you know his dad's mistake led them to this point and he doesn't want but you know he's also at the same time not going to go out of his way to not hurt killmonger who is trying to take away you know his tear his kingdom apart you know he he offers to get him help but he's not gonna make him you know i just thought it would be cool it would have been a cool like different way um but then i guess i see i don't know maybe i don't know in my head i'm like you know it'd be a cool idea that somehow killmonger realizes that this is not the way to go this is not the right path and then he becomes his own like superhero sidekick kind of character I thought that would have been cool, but then that floats really close to the Thor-Loki storyline a little bit, I guess. So, I don't know. Maybe we have seen it. I thought it would be original, but then like when you start comparing that to Thor-Loki, uh, that can be problematic, I guess. Even, I mean, I don't I don't need his character to live. I would Actually, I probably would have enjoyed it more if he'd had some sort of... 
clarity or something but he's just just as angry and petulant when he dies and it's it's just kind of mm-hmm. kind of makes me you know sad for the character like that's they just kept his scope of who he is and what his motivations are so narrow yeah uh, and i thought for the lengths his character goes to get this revenge, he could have been really yeah. devious and evil and effective. And instead, it's just he's just totally ham-fisted. Uh, and also, his name is Killmonger. Come on, Killmonger. <laughs> they said Killmonger yeah. with a straight face yeah, a bunch of times yeah. in this movie. Well, that's why I got the nickname Killmonger. I was like, <laughs> okay, all right, dude. Uh, <laughs> I've put- my KDR on Call of Duty is four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah. So, well, I mean, anything else? Like, anything else you want to say about the movie? No, I mean, I just... Uh, the My problem going forward is, like, if this movie took place without Nakia uh, mm. or without Okoye... Like without the supporting female characters, yeah, uh, it would. Like I just want more of more of the three of them, yeah, uh, because they honestly did as much, if not more, and had as much, if not more, presence on screen. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, it was. It was a really. It was a lot. So the, it, this pulled from a lot of different areas, but this really was like a bondish bondage, not bondage, bondish film where you have an m and a, a q and a there, bond. there definitely was the q trope going on with uh but it was fine she was great she was and it was hilarious and the fact that they had brother sister chemistry was great and she does um, real things in the movie like she she does things in the movie she's not just a she's an integral part to to the finishing of the film she just doesn't just hand hand gadgets yeah. uh to somebody and then disappear yeah, we didn't really talk about Martin Freeman's character, no, which true. didn't need to be in the movie at all. Uh, it felt like uh, it felt like just a way to try to tie it into a larger Marvel universe. Take a take a shot at the CIA, I guess. Yeah, that too, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, don't I, I, don't, I have no idea. I uh, did not get that one at all. But uh, yeah. Um, Forrest Whitaker, kind of a, I don't know. I just, like, I wish, I just wish this film was a little bit, I want more of Wakanda and I want more of these characters and the backgrounds and their struggles and less superhero bullshit. Yeah, Um, right, yeah. So, which is weird. Uh, But yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, Definitely going to make more of these. Chadwick Boseman is very talented. Yeah, uh, he is very talented actor. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, he continues to get opportunities and takes advantage of them. Also, he's forty years old. Shut up. He will. Be, he will be forty. Shut up. Forty-one this year. Chadwick Boseman, who looks like he's twenty-four. That is insane. Was born on November 29th, nineteen seventy-seven. What? How like? I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I gotta see this with my it's own just, eyes. It's not—it's not fair, you know, that oh, that he looks that good at oh his age. Oh my god! He's, How is that possible? He's—he's he's over forty, 
over 40. That is crazy. Never. I would have never. <laughs> you could say I could. You could have given me a ton of guesses. You could have given me 40 guesses. And I would never guess he was 40. <laughs> what? That yep. is crazy. Man. Yeah, it looks like he's in his early 20s, maybe mid 20s. I would so he's only been acting for since 2003. I wonder what he was doing before that. No, but he's he's done a no, he was in All My Children in 1973 before he was born in 19 yeah, uh, in 2003. But, um uh, man, wow. That's cra- that's a crazy Whew. I did not know that. All right, so um any other thoughts on Black Panther before we close out the show? No. Uh did you did you stay for the Yes, the 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 two um stingers at the end? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the first one I thought was kind of a weird stinger like that could have just been in the movie, I guess, at the end. I don't I mean it's important. I think it was an important thing to setting up the Infinity Gauntlet or War, whatever whatever they're calling it. Like obviously when Thanos invades the world, Wakanda's tech is going to help defeat him. Yep. That seems obvious. Um but the what did you what did you think of the 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 Bucky? But the uh, I was just I was really happy that uh, uh, that the little sister was there. Yeah, that was um, cool. That was good. What do you think that means though? What do they? I don't. The White Wolf. I don't know. That's interesting. Hmm. Where the hell was he at when all the shit was going down? Who fucking knows, dude? That's why they have to set up where like the time time frame in the. <laughs> beginning of this movie is like remind you explicitly where this when and where this takes place (laughs) yeah right good Uh, point good point um so next week it looks like we're going to review uh white boy rick yeah good old white i mean best movie of 2017 (laughs) and 2018 (laughs) white boy rick i I, i've been waiting all episode to say that (laughs) um yeah, no, Annihilation, that is probably what we're going to... I mean, we'll see that probably. I'm super excited for that movie. Let me tell you what. It's, uh kind of forgot about that movie, and then like all of a sudden, I'm just so stoked for it. Um, You're so totally stoked, bro. My pants are wet. Mm-hmm. That's how, how stoked I am for that. So, dude, Colin, it looks like we're in the home stretch. We've got good movie after good movie now, so um, no more... No more weeks off. We're we're back to the grind. Uh well, you know, we don't get paid these big bucks for nothing. That's right. Uh any any parting shots for our midnighters? We haven't we haven't talked to them in a while. Well, thanks for your emails as always, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, send us some more because we're sad and lonely. Send us some more. Send us some more. Midnight phone review at gmail.com. Keep on sending them emails. Did you hear? Did you hear Fergie sing the national anthem? I heard excerpts from it. On you know something is viral when NPR <laughs> runs a segment on it. Uh, people's reaction to it. Oh man, I tell you what, that was that was hard. That was a hard thing to listen to and watch. When you have to apologize for your <laughs> for your performance, <laughs> probably not a good sign. One of the best things ever about that whole thing is when it's just the players looking at each other like yeah. Like what is happening right now? Like this is this is bad. Fergie always trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, man. Just you just ride it. You just ride the wheel. 
Whip it. Whip it. Whip it real good. Yeah. Um, All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We'll catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye.